You've heard of spirit animals, or in the Harry Potter universe, you could call it Patronus. You've taken these random quizzes that you deliberately searched up online just to insist on getting a wolf or a swan or an eagle as the result. But you ended up getting a duck or something. Now, get ready for spirit books. The books that you've read throughout the times, any time, any possible time, and those you can relate to on another whole level of vibes and feels. In other words, in other simpler words, if you were a book, what book would you be? Hello and welcome back to another episode of Pieces of Books. I'm your host, Delima. About the duck, I didn't mean that it's a lot less cool, just, you know. (laughs) Some people would want majestic animals to be their spirit animals. I personally would love it if my spirit animal was a duck, but it's not. I've taken one of the quizzes, they said it's a turtle. Although, I I didn't say the duck isn't a majestic animal or something, but it's not technically, right? Like... Duck is a cute animal. It's not essentially majestic. Okay, anyway. Hey, how are you doing? For those of you who just came down here for the first time, welcome. This podcast is going to be relatively talking about books, but mostly in the way that's familiar or close to mind and heart. Sometimes it's a particular chapter, sometimes it's the character, or just the whole story in general. Well, On this episode, we're having a guest. There will be a guest. So that makes it a special one. Because, yay, I got a guest. (laughs) This time, we are joined by a fellow book podcast host, actually. The podcast is called Books to Last. And it challenges book lovers to select five books and that they would take to a mystery at a remote locale. She will be joining us shortly. And before we start, I would like to remind you to follow the Pieces of Books podcast and save up this episode. And also, I don't know, probably visit me on Instagram. It's Pieces of Books. It's Pieces of Books, but the C is replaced by V. Yeah, I didn't get the username. So, without further ado, let's get it going. Hi Jordian, great to see you again. Last time we were recording for Books the Last episode and then here we are. So how are you? How was your week? I'm alright, thank you so much for having me. I uh, yeah, I've just come back off a little bit of a break so I'm feeling very refreshed and very excited to uh, record the episode and uh, yeah, we had so much fun when we recorded yours for Books the Last so yeah, very mm. excited. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. So that's great to hear and then now um i i wanted to, to ask you a couple of things because i've been following this tournament closely so i um i don't know if you're fond of tennis but since the wimbledon is purely going on right now <laughs> are, are yeah, you watching 
Um, so I'm not watching Wimbledon. Um, I tend to get my updates from my nan because I like uh-huh. my nan is 75, but she loves all sports and she watches all of them. Um, and um, yeah, so she's definitely she's watching the Wimbledon. She's been letting me know. I don't really know how we're doing it at the moment, but I am. Um, I probably should, but I'm. I'm one of those people. I just I I've never really watched a lot of sport, um, and I usually get forced into watching football when England play but apart from that (laughs) (laughs) so you're not really into sports then no not really it's I think it's because I never actually played any sports I I always find (laughs) um because I was I've got terrible hand-eye coordination and I fall over (laughs) flat ground so um I'm not made for sports so because I've never played any I've never really um watched any either which um I don't know. Everybody seems to love them so much. Maybe I'll um, I'll grow into a preference for one someday. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite exciting because like lots of people went there. So did did your grandmother go there actually, or just watched from home? Uh she watches from home. Although it would be a dream of hers to go to see Wimbledon live. I think I'll have to buy her tickets one day. <laughs> <laughs> so, because um, I've noticed that since I've also I'm also watching it from the TV broadcast. I've noticed that a lot of people there have like gone out of the house without wearing masks. So I'm I'm just really curious about the COVID situation right now in the UK. I, it's really like wow, they already done that. They already like um, I bet you guys are already like fully vaccinated or something. So um, the vaccine program's gone quite well in England. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I personally feel we're in a position to be having big sporting events with no masks um just based on we are still we do still have a lot of numbers and then there's the like the delta variants and other variants and stuff that we still have quite we've still got numbers of they're not as bad as it was at the beginning but it's still there um i will say wimbledon may be part and i don't know if this is true but um it may be part of these pilot events so the government has been um running sort of pilot big events where they do a lot of um testing and uh, basically everyone has to have a test or vaccinated or so on um to be able to get a ticket to the event and they have limited numbers but the mm-hmm. rules are that if you fulfill all of these like rules before you go um when you get there it's like a bubble and no one has to wear masks and there's no social distancing because they've done all of this work before so um at the beginning Uh, sorry towards the end of last month there was um a festival that i usually go to but i didn't go to this year where they had ten thousand people who were camping and doing the festival thing um but there was no social distancing or masks because they had to be tested or had to provide certification before they went because they're trying to see if there's like they're, they're trying to sort of trial safe ways of having big events but um Wimbledon, it wouldn't surprise me if Wimbledon was one of those because it's a big thing, so I suppose nationally. Yeah. But, um, and I know they had Ascot for, with the horse races and stuff recently, um, which I think might have also been a trial. But I I don't know, I think um, the government's definitely gearing towards everything going back pretty much to normal. We were supposed to have all restrictions lifted last month, and then now they've changed that and it's been pushed back to next month just to see um if everything's okay but um i don't know if they're going to push that back again because 
they seem really eager to just do away with all the restrictions and that sort of thing. But we're not in the position that, say, Australia or New Zealand are in, <laughs> which they they are they're living life life completely normally with no masks and no social distancing because they've got pretty much no cases now because they've just shut off the country essentially. Right. So that's why yeah. it, when I watch when I watch on the screen, I was like, wow. They've, they've managed to do that already okay so so like um here is it's it's already it's still a worst case scenario because I, we just we just experienced a lockdown but not exactly like collective lockdown but you know um it's not really yeah. like indonesian things to be complacent to, to the government i don't know why so well that's great for you guys there i hope the cases numbers go down and i hope you guys stay yeah. safe yeah me me too i am um, to be honest i think the government's kind of moving to a place where they um are just going to stop paying attention to cases because they've <laughs> it's i i don't know i you know what i can't possibly speak to how difficult it must have been to make their decisions over the past thing but um i know in the uk in particular there's been a real mixed bag of whether people have been following restrictions or not following restrictions and that sort of thing. And we had our, we came out of our last lockdown a couple of months ago. Um, and, yeah, at the moment, the government's main concern seems to be the economy as opposed to COVID, um, which, yeah, they're, they're making their choices. Uh, but on the plus side, everyone is still able to sort of make their own personal choices about safety, I suppose. So... I, for instance, like you could still choose to wear masks if you want to wear masks, mm. and I, I know I still do. And the vaccine rollout's going quite well, I suppose. But yeah, it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, anyway, we're here today to talk about <laughs> spirit books. I decided to call it spirit books because it's like spirit uh. animals, but in the form of books. <laughs> so basically, the general topic is that if you were a book, what book would you be? And um, I actually haven't insisted on um, just picking one because then, but if you're just bringing one today, then it's totally okay too. So we're going to jump in right away to the books. So any particular books that you're reading at the moment? Uh, So I've just started Soul of the Sword by Julie uh, Kagawa. She, uh, it's the second in the Shadow of the Fox trilogy. Um, so I'm not I'm not properly into it yet, but I've just started that. It's been a while since I read Shadow of the Fox, um, and now I'm finally getting around to the uh, the sequel. I'm quite looking forward to it. I think I need to read a quick recap of the events of the first book, though, because it has been a while. But oh, yeah, so you're in the just, second book? Yes, yeah, so I've just started just started the second one because I just um, while I was away, I finished. Um, supernova by marissa mayer which is the third book in the renegade trilogy um which was very very good um and i needed something to go into after that that's great it's, is it a fantasy genre uh yeah so both of those are fantasy um so supernova is like i'll probably talk a little bit about more about that world later because it's loosely it's it's related to the book that I've picked, but it's um, YA fantasy genre. It's about superheroes, um, pretty much, in like an urban fantasy kind of setting. But yeah, 
and then Soul of the Sword um, as like the Shadow of the Fox trilogy is um, sort of a Japanese mythology or folklore I'm not sure which of those is the right sort of word but um, the first book kind of felt like a um, almost like a Wizard of Oz story because there was sort of a group of them and they picked up extra people along the way and they were all going somewhere to, to get something um, and uh, that follows a um, young girl um, called I think it's Yumiko and yeah just her journey because they've got some scrolls and the scrolls can end the world and they need to not end the world <laughs> so um, yeah uh, all fun but there's also like that's probably I suppose more towards fantasy uh, genre as opposed to supernova because it's you know demon possessed swords and big battles and magic and all of that sort of thing so it's quite cool that really sounds interesting it's like um I I personally don't really uh like I I like this sort of stories but I haven't really found any book that's that's really just like in my sort of type of book that I wanted to read so um I'm I'm going to definitely try to find this on Goodreads and read a few reviews on this so, okay making a mental yeah, note I, def- I definitely recommend Shadow of the Fox it's a really good book and I um I recently recommended it to a friend. I sent a copy to a friend and um, really enjoyed it as well. And I um, I think I read it back. I got a review copy um, a couple of years ago and that's that's how I ended up reading it. And yeah, it was excellent. I have my own copy on my bookshelf and yeah, it's just, it's a good, it's a good series. Hmm. So uh, how do you usually um, finish a book? Like, do you usually like sneak a bit of time during the days or just like you set aside a specific time to like binge read sort of thing i um just try and find time to read whenever i can really i i really struggle at the moment because um back in the before times before everything (laughs) happened last year um i used to read on the train on the way to work so i have like a an hour commute into work on the train and um that used to be my time to just read and i got regular time in to read but now um with me working from home i don't have my commutes as much um we i I struggle to find the time because i i kind of once i'm ready in the morning i feel like i should be working and then i um have to not read right before bed because um if I, especially if i'm reading a really good book i then end up staying up until like one o'clock in the morning because i can't put it down and then i'm tired and i can't do anything for the next day and it just kind of like ruins any plans that i might have had so i need to sort of find time that's kind of got nice beginning and end to it i i got a lot of read i get a lot of reading done um when i have no plans at the weekend or um when I'm on holiday so if I go away which again not happen very much but when I go away I tend to get a lot of reading done then because um I I just find more time when I'm relaxing and that sort of thing but uh yes just whenever I can mostly but um I'm a bit I'm quite bad for binge reading because once I get into a good part I just I find it really hard to put things down and then pick them back up again at a later time unless I absolutely have to which I do when my train is pulling into the station <laughs> It's really tricky with work from home because I don't know if it's just me, but I just figured that somehow the working hours 
feels longer than usual. Like I started really early in the morning, um, as soon as I woke up, and then I just I just started working, and then um, after working all day with a back pain and all because I'm I've been sitting all day, and it's like um, I don't think I'm gonna read a book today, and then it just sort of like postponed to the weekend. But then on the weekend I have errands to do, and then it's just no I have to read this. I have, I have to like finish a book at least this month. So yeah I. I I agree a lot with you with the reading on commuting because I did that too before the COVID strikes. Um, it's just usually the train is a lot of is a lot more packed, but some somehow it's like when I took a train home and it's less packed than usual and in the morning than the rush hour. I would be have like slight time to read, even though it's only like thirty minutes commute. Yeah, but not so much today. Um, so that's shifting away from the current book that you're reading. Uh, what about the books, this particular book that you are relating to today, like the spirit book that I'm mentioning before? Yes. So, um, the book that I'm relating to today, because um, I so I really struggled with this because I kind of felt like I did feel like multiple books could play into it, but I hadn't read any of them very recently and um i really wanted i mean part of me because i mean with it being you know the book that you most think um represents yourself i suppose i kind of wanted it to be a classic or something clever because (laughs) you know that's everyone wants to think that about themselves but i haven't read (laughs) but um but the books that i uh like a lot of the books that i really really enjoy um i haven't I haven't been able to reread them in a while and I wanted to be able to talk about I suppose in a little bit of detail and uh, that sort of thing um so I've ended up picking a book that I haven't read recently but my mind's very full of the world which is Renegades by Marissa Mayer so it's the first one in the trilogy um that I just finished and um the reason I yeah the reason I picked it was because my head is very sort of in that world at the moment because I just finished it and it's given me a bit of a book hangover um and um it is a personal favorite of mine it's definitely not perfect um by any stretch of the imagination um just in just generally i mean very few books are um but i suppose that good good representation for me personally uh but yeah i it's one that i really enjoy so yeah renegades by marissa may so this is the first book that First book of the trilogy that you've mentioned earlier? Yes. Yes. Okay, I see. So the reason why you picked this book is because, well, it's the reason one that you have finished reading, and then you personally it felt... Yep. Yeah, it's also a favorite. Like, I do... It is one of my favorite books, and it's like... It's got a lot of the tropes and story that I really, really enjoy, and I could definitely see myself rereading it um, a lot as sort of was a comfort book because it's about superheroes and all of that sort of thing <laughs> so uh, uh, can you tell us a bit about this Renegade book yes okay so um, Renegades is kind of set in um, a po- not apocalyptic but like a post war kind of world somewhere in the future it's not in our time 
in a fictional city called Gatlon City, which um, for anybody who is a big superheroes fan is basically just, it's Gotham City. It, that's, it's where Batman's from, <laughs> but by a different name. And um, it essentially happens after this war between these two groups of um, superpowered individuals. So there's the renegades, who are the quote-unquote heroes, and the anarchists, which are the quote-unquote villains and um they essentially rise up after the world comes to terms with the fact that um some people but not everyone have superpowers so a lot of people kind of woke up after an event with all of these superpowers and people were started to be born with them and uh, they didn't really know how to handle it and it ended up um becoming a war because you know some people were persecuted for their powers some people use their powers to do crimes and bad things and that sort of thing and yeah it turned into a big fight and these two groups the renegades and the anarchists formed and fought against each other um the renegades wanted to be superheroes they wanted to save people using their powers and the anarchists just want they wanted sort of freedom to be able to be who they are and do what they want and they shouldn't have to save people or prove anything with their powers and that sort of thing but um you do end up getting sort of a lot of villain bad guys with the anarchists but yeah essentially they have this war the anarchists lose the renegades win the renegades take over the city and um start the reign of being superheroes and governing the world essentially um with their powers and we are set probably about 10 years after this um and our perspective is from a young girl called nova who is one of the anarchists so her uncle was the lead of the big revolution and her uncle was uh, ace anarchy who they're named after and she wants revenge for the fact that they lost the war essentially she doesn't believe in what the renegades do she thinks that they are tyrants and dictators and she wants to overthrow them uh and yeah it starts with her doing a failed assassination attempt on the renegades leader which then somehow leads into her (laughs) i say somehow it then leads to her um going undercover and pretending to be a renegade so she enters the trials and she infiltrates the renegades to become a spy really because she wants to take them down from the inside and that's essentially how it sort of start so yeah it's there's a lot of stuff that happens right before like before the book that like a lot of setup but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a lot of info dump at the beginning which is really good but yes i hope i've explained that okay well that's essentially it's an undercover story that that's a lot that's a lot to uncover i mean <laughs> it's um from what i get is like this anti-hero sort of story and I, and I got the slight resemble to the last installment to the Hunger Games, the Mockingjay, because uh, with the overthrowing the government, but she is she is actually the good the good side. This is this one is from the the bad side essentially. Yes, she. So one of the things I really like about the book is the thing is you are on uh, technically you are coming at it from the bad guy's side it does switch perspectives so mm-hmm. the two main perspectives are nova and adrian nova is the niece of the big big bad guy who got defeated and adrian's the son of the good guy who won and they're both on opposite sides of it so you get both of their sides of the story 
and their own perspectives and um it's kind of difficult because even though the anarchists are called the villains what they want for the world isn't actually that bad when you just sort of hear about it it's i suppose the way they go about getting it and the way some people interpret interpret their idea of freedom and the renegades again they want what good things for the world they want the world to be happy and safe um but the way they go about making it happen isn't always good (laughs) and um it's kind of the further you get into the series because i mean it's three books and they're quite big um the more grey it gets because at the beginning it is very cut and like the anarchists they're like yeah we're the villains we're the bad guys we have bad guy powers and we enjoy being bad guys and the renegades are very much yay we're superheroes and we throw parades (laughs) (laughs) and that's sort of where it starts and eventually all the lines get blurry and mesh together and then you don't know who the good guys and the bad guys are and <laughs> it's it's all very confusing but you and the in the middle of it is nova and adrian who kind of have different worldviews and they've been raised in completely different places but they kind of want the same thing oh. sort of <laughs> i took it that you are rooting for the anarchists kind of <sighs> So that's the really difficult part because I'm technically just rooting for Nova and Adrian and don't really care about the rest. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the thing is, it's very much, um, it's very much like X Men. So anybody who's sort of familiar with superheroes, this is like a storyline, like superheroes and superhero movies, Marvel and all that sort of thing. Um, it's not a storyline that's particularly original it's been done a lot of times before and it always comes with the same issues um but i mean the renegades even though they are quote-unquote good guys and they do save people and they do a lot of good things they've done it by giving themselves completely unchecked um unregulated power so they they rule the city gatlin city they rule the world essentially um, completely ungoverned they're not elected no one chooses whether they go you know whether they get to power no one chooses whether they are allowed to do what they do they put people in prison simply because they think they're bad guys and even though you know it all comes from a good place um there's not it's not very difficult for anyone reading it to maybe see why it's not a good thing that they're completely left unchecked because they have like patrols that go out and into the city to you know keep peace and some of them are really good people and they're doing good things but then you also have some people who abuse their power and they they're not very nice and they don't do good things even though they are supposedly supposed to be good guys and the same with the anarchists most of the time they come from a place where it's they've been you know they've, they've been hurt or they've been persecuted for being who they are and then they you know they've gone to the bad guy side because they didn't feel accepted by the good guy side mm. um but also a lot of them do bad things they are criminals <laughs> they you know hurt and kill people and you can see why the renegades want to stop them but at the same time their idea of what freedom is they think you know just because someone has superpowers doesn't mean they have to be a renegade or an anarchist they should just be able to live their life um, and that's a nice idea as well but again 
um, it kind of gets a bit distorted and there's talk of becoming gods and all powerful and essentially they just want the power that the renegades have but they don't have it because they're lost Mm. um um, so it's all about sort of power struggles and that sort of thing so it's really hard to pick someone to root for Mm. (laughs) most of the time i found myself feeling just very sorry for anybody who lived in this world and didn't have powers because it kind of felt like (laughs) they were just at the mercy of what everybody else wanted (laughs) to do so yeah felt sorry for the for the non-super super people in this book a lot of the time uh, well if you if you pointed it that way i'm i started to get confused of who to root as well because i figured that the renegades would you know clearly i mean they're the good guys and all but clearly they don't really offer a lot of democracy and also not everything like i mean they are indeed the good guys but Uh, people who are people who possess like complete power tend to corrupt like it's it's almost always happened and i think that that's that's really interesting now now, i'm really interested in this book right now and (laughs) i get really i get really easily absorbed in like power dynamics like this and in which both sides are kind of like um we're, we're we're doing the good things on our standard but because because we're not on either side we can actually just like see um their perspectives and like no that's not quite right and um yeah i really think i should i should really really read this book i do recommend it so um i mean nova goes like nova is sort of our main main character even though we do spend a lot of time with adrian and she goes through all of these sort of things as well because at the beginning it's really like black and white to her that the renegades are the enemy because they've been her enemy since she was a child because when she was she we you, the first scene you get in the book is almost nova's origin story um and nova's a really interesting character because she is she's painted as the you know the main villain in this story she you know single-handedly infiltrates renegade at the renegade headquarters and she does all these amazing things and you'd expect her to have sort of an amazing power to go with it but her power is literally just that she she never falls asleep so she never sleeps and she can make other people fall asleep by touching them and that's all her power is and it's not it's not very I suppose showy it's not very impressive it doesn't really cause a lot of harm all she does is put people to sleep um but she is really really talented in in a lot of other ways and she's really clever and she goes through this same kind of journey of well maybe the renegades aren't all bad and maybe the anarchists aren't all good because the anarchists have been her family since she was very little and her sort of main origin and the reason why she re- the, re- the real reason she really hates the renegades she hates everything they stand for but the real reason she's got a grudge against them is because when she was very young i think she was five her parents and her two-year-old sister were killed by one of the villain gangs so during the age of anarchy is what they call it um her parents and sister were killed by a villain gang and the renegades because they were the superheroes they were supposed to come and save them they weren't it wasn't supposed to happen they were supposed to be being protected and they didn't protect them and her family died and she only survived because of her power and 
she blames the renegades for not being there to save her family which is one of the reasons why she kind of hates them quite personally as well as not really she doesn't really like the the whole um, power dynamic but when she infiltrates the renegades and she gets to know adrian because her and adrian become very close because it's a ya novel so of course she has to fall in love with her arch enemy um um, so her and adrian become very close and then she gets to know his family who are actually her absolute arch nemesis like her so adrian was adopted by um his two dads um simon and hugh they are the kind of leaders of the main renegade council so the main renegade council is five is the five superheroes who won the war essentially and then they set up the renegades as an organization and they take on younger recruits and do the patrols but those five with other people in charge of um basically everything and his pair his dads are both the um leaders of it so because she gets to know adrian she also gets to know his dads who she knows she hates because they didn't save her family and because they you know they have this we know best and we can tell everybody what to do attitude um but when she gets to know them she realizes that adrian's actually you know very nice and his pair his dads are both really great dads and they're really you know they do a lot of good things even if they don't always do good things um, and you know she she makes a lot of friends in the renegades as well as enemies she's got a lot of people in the renegades that she really doesn't like um, but it kind of confuses her because you know she's got her family who she's grown up with because they all see the anarchists as bad guys but to her they're just her family they're people who raised her and even though they're not you know always the nicest people <laughs> she they, they've always been there for her so she she's really conflicted and adrian himself has his own secret he has his own things going on and he doesn't always agree with the things his dads do but he also sees the anarchist as the enemy and he's really conflicted because you know he wants to help but he doesn't always think that the way they help is the best way and yeah it's just a lot of gray areas and a lot of the classic tropes that i really like so i really like uh, sort of enemies to lovers or rivals to lovers kind of trope um you know a lot of double agency she's you know she is a spy and she and it it works into it really well there's a lot of suspense because you know there's so many times she could get caught and and you're like oh is this going to be the end of it and it's just it keeps you going the whole way through it's really um i really enjoy it personally because it just really speaks to me and the stories i like because i really like superheroes as well (laughs) <laughs> now, um, I I remember you mentioned that Ad Edrin was adopted. Now, I'm I can't stop thinking that maybe the secrets that you said before that maybe he was he was one of the renegades before. Wait, he was one of the anarchists before, and then he was a- adopted by the renegades. So, so we know about um, Adrian's like birth mom. So Adrian's birth mom was one of the other founding members of the renegades. Mm-hmm. So she was called Lady Indomitable. And she could fly, and she died when she, when Adrian was quite young as well. And it's a real mystery how she died because she could fly, but she fell off a building, mm. and mm. no one knows how she died. Um, and he he has a lot of unanswered questions because of that. But after she died, because she was very close with obviously um, everybody else in the Renegades, that's why um, 
movies called Captain Chromium, uh, Chromium and the Dread Warden, that's their superhero names, that's why they adopted Adrian. Mm. Um, so he, but his and Nova's pasts are tied together, but you don't find out <laughs> any of that because there's a lot of links because the funny thing is Adrian, when he is a superhero, is called Sketch because his power is he can draw anything and bring it to life. Um, which is a really cool power that I've not seen before. So Adrian and his patrol group, um, he's called Sketch and he's got a few other team members um, in his patrol group. And then when Nova is a villain, her, her alter ego is Nightmare. And she is like Adrian's arch nemesis, really. They end up fighting a lot because they don't know each other's... Well, they don't know Nova's identity, so that's why she can go undercover. They don't know who she is when she's not Nightmare. Um, But they all actually have quite a personal feud against Nightmare because she's the one who's constantly thwarting them and that sort of thing. So they actually have kind of a rivalry going, as well as also being (laughs) teammates and a bunch of other stuff. There's a lot of different layers and secret identities and... um, I mean, to be fair, you find out quite early on in the beginning. Adrian has um, an alter ego as well. He, as well as being a superhero with the superhero company, which is what the Renegades are, essentially, he's also an illegal vigilante. But his dads don't know about it. No one knows about this alter ego that he's got, except for you, the reader, and Adrian. Um, And he's constantly having to, like, balance that as well. But it's just, there's a lot of secrets and layers and different identities um but that being said if you do like superhero movies or comic books or that sort of thing none of it's particularly hard to guess there are like a couple of really big twists at the end of the trilogy that i just finished like at the end of the third book you find out some information Uh, And I personally had already guessed it just because I have watched a lot of superhero films. I've read comic books. I'm kind of familiar with the classic storylines and it very much is that. But um, because Marissa Mayer doesn't really come from that area, really, she's more famous for her Cinder series, Mm -hmm. um, the Lunar Chronicles, which, to be honest, has some problematic elements to it so it was one of the other reasons i wasn't entirely sure about picking this one because she's not got i mean there's so many authors at the moment that it's just really hard to keep track of um but she comes from like the young adult fantasy world really um so if you were coming from her existing reading base and you didn't really like superheroes a lot of this would be quite new and Surprising, I suppose, to someone who isn't really familiar with the genre. But I really like it anyway. Uh, for me, particularly the superhero genre thing, like the the good guy and the bad guy, I I'm not really like a, a huge fan or like uh, I really like adore the story. But I um, at the same time, I don't really hate it hate it either because I I also watch some DC and Marvel. And with the with this particular superhero and the bad guy stories, I like I really love it when they show them their backstories, like uh, how they ended up to be who they are presently. And then it's just it's just uh, it's just amazing to know where they came from and what what 
exact uh, moment or like an an act from somebody who used to be close to them or somebody who they used to trust so much and then it just drives them to be to have this sort of like shifted point of views or they used to not stand for this thing but then once they grew up once this thing changed them and it entirely shifted just who they are completely and I love the element of that from the superhero stories so um, speaking of that element of like a particular element what what exactly like is there um, a, a, like a particular chapter or like a value from the story that you think really resonates with you while reading it um I think it's the I suppose the gray areas of um, not knowing what side to pick because it kind of it's mm-hmm. all the way through um, but especially as you get deeper and deeper into the story and the especially in this particular installment the first one there is a big fight at the end um, against uh, between the renegades and the anarchists and um, Nova is part of that but she's having to sort of play both sides and obviously the anarchists know that she's you know still working for them but has to not be but there's a lot of um, divided allegiances because even though she even though she still sees herself as a villain and anarchist and she doesn't see herself as a renegade she does she knows that her family and her fellow like allies don't know that she's having all of these mixed thoughts and it's really um it's really well it's 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 really interesting to read because she just she's so conflicted and adrian is also very conflicted and um it's just trying to find a way where everyone wins because what both there's nothing i suppose completely wrong with what both sides want it's trying to find that middle ground i suppose but i i really like i like it where it's hard to pick just one side like game of thrones for instance i find it very hard to pick you can't pick just one side with game of thrones because there's bad there's good people and bad people on all sides so you can't just pick one you kind of have to pick an idea <laughs> more than anything um but yeah i think i think that there are no sort of good guys or bad guys there's just people and the choices they make like i don't think anyone's completely good and completely bad and i think that's the main thing that i kind of take away from the book mm, i see with with the story itself do, um, did the author like how did she tell it like with the flow do they do the story have a lot of flashback scenes or do they just like go on and just tell out the story um so there's not many flashback scenes the only sort of thing close to a flashback is that first chapter where you find out nova's origin story you find out what happened to her but everything after that is sort of happening in real time and the flow and the pace is actually really really good because because it's like a um undercover double agent story there's a lot of suspense because you know she could be found out at any time and it kind of pulls you along and then um you know trying to when you get you get from one event to another event really easily and um yeah it's really hard to put down just because you just 
you want to keep finding out what's going to happen next and especially because I mean Adrian and Nova as a relationship kind of don't like it you know they're getting you know the whole reason behind the romance is because they're enemies and it's something that you know um YA novels do a lot um but you really really root for them and you want to know how it could possibly work because it doesn't feel like it can um but yeah, it's it, no, it flows really well, and she she mainly just tells it in as it's happening, and there's a lot of sort of action sequences. I like Renegades in particular because um, because I enjoy superheroes, but the majority of superhero stories are told in graphic novels and comic books, and I don't always feel like I want. To, that I'm not always in the mood to read a graphic novel or a comic book. It's something that I feel like getting in the mood for sometimes. Um, and I like prose. I like longer books because it gives you time to really get into the character's head, and you get. A, I feel like you get a lot more detail. I like to read the details as opposed to um, seeing the pictures and that sort of thing. Um, so I like this because it kind of gives me this genre that I love, but it gives it me in the way that I love to read it with all the detail and um, it's less less about dialogue, I suppose. I see. Oh, anyway, it's like when it's prolonged, you can you can actually like just picture it by yourself instead of just being like accepting the, the pictures and all and just like. Oh, okay. That ended there, and then you just what? What if they they sort of like make the action sequence like this, and then you just kind of sort of like picture it by yourself? I kind of I kind of have yeah. You know, whoa, this book is really interesting. Like I I didn't expect it to I didn't expect it to just bring this book up, and I'm like, is, this book really exists? Wow. Yeah. That being said, I would really love to see a graphic novel of this like mm. series. I think they do a really good job of it, and it would be cool to see everybody sort of superhero costumes and that sort of thing. Do do they wear costumes? Yeah. yeah. So the Renegades all have the same costume because they're a team. So um, mm. the main five council members they have their own costumes because they're the leaders. But everyone in the Renegades kind of wears the same thing, like a uniform because they're kind they've kind of made themselves the police so but it's like mm. superhero uniform so it's it's like a lycra suit with a big r on it and that, <laughs> that's them being renegades um but the villains all have their own specific um costumes for being villains um nova's is quite cool in that because even though her main power is that she can you know send people to sleep and she stays awake she's um very clever so she's she makes a lot of gadgets and um so she's got sort of like a utility belt she wears all black um with a hood and she has like half a face mask um mm. that sort of cuts she so you could just well you don't really even see her eyes because of the hood but um she's very much like they call her nightmare mainly because of her ability to put people to sleep um, because apparently you feel really bad when you wake up like like Ooh. a very bad headache and you just <laughs> don't feel very good when uh, when you wake up with it but um yeah she the costumes are quite cool i think it would be cool to see the council's costumes and um adrian when he's being his sort of secret identity alter ego he's mm. called the sentinel and he's got um quite cool armor because um 
yeah, Adrian, because Adrian's power is that she, he can bring stuff to life that he draws. He gives himself new powers by um, like tattooing the mm. powers onto his skin, and he brings them to life like that. And it's very clever. And he his armor and everything that he does is is his own design, and he's an artist. Um, so yeah, it would be cool to see. I don't know if she's got any plans to actually make it into a graphic novel, but um, yeah. It would be cool to see uh, maybe an illustrated edition. Hmm. Do you think, like, um, apart from every single of superheroes element and all, like, this this is absolutely, like, um, a fantasy genre of story, and then it's completely fictional, but it's... It, in the midst of that, do you think that there's a, like, there's a message or something that we can conclude from the story? Um... Well, I think a little bit of what we've touched on, I mean, the idea that power corrupts mm. people just by nature um, is an interesting concept because it is, I mean, it's true. And um, the idea that there's a very sort of absolutist idea of someone, if they've done bad things, is by default a bad person or someone who's completely good or completely bad and you know as a child that makes sense because that's an easy way to categorize the world but the older you get the more you realize that you know everyone's kind of capable of being good and bad at the same time and a lot of it comes down to you know just where you come from in life so just aside from superheroes and that sort of thing it's just a really interesting discussion i Personally, I think like one of the most depressing things about growing up <laughs> is um, when you realize that all of the adults that you kind of looked up to in your life aren't perfect. Absolutely. So, yeah, when you get to that age where you kind of realize that, um, oh, all of these grown ups that I, you know, used to look up to, um, they're kind of just as confused and don't really know what's going on as everyone else um it's and you know it's something that happens in this because um captain chromium and the dread warden even though they're in charge of this whole world as well there are times where they're a little bit conflicted about what they're doing and they don't know if they're making the right decision and they have to they double down and decide that they are but considering they have so much power and so much uh, so many people relying on them um you kind of wish they maybe doubted themselves a little bit more um put a thought into it (laughs) yeah um but it's yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, I th- yeah, I think that's probably the main take. It's interesting because uh, my pick of a book is kind of resembles this one. I've actually mentioned it in the beginning. If I could pick any book to be my spirit book, quote unquote, I would pick The Hunger Games because um, it's the same. It's the same genre, essentially. Yeah. It's like young adult too, but is it fantasy fantasy story sort of? It's yep. like dystopian, isn't it? Dystopian. It's um yeah. Yep. And it's like um there's also like power dynamic too in this with the capital and all the districts. And honestly I picked it just because I relate 
I completely relate to the main protagonist because she was she was really she was really pragmatic throughout the Hunger Games and she was she was actually like joining the games just because she volunteered, right? And then she had to follow their rules even though she hated them because she was she was already a part of a poor district and all. And um it's like it's none that I have experienced with the other books that I have read before. It's like um she she sacrificed a lot of things, but then she also played by their rules as to um achieve her own goals in that she essentially the capital wanted her to win and then she 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 won by their rules too but she also has her own motives to achieve if that makes sense and she she did all of that because it's not like she's compliance to their rules but um it's more like she's she's doing things by her own and then sort of like sort of like still supporting the fucked up systems excuse the language <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I see what you, um that was something that always i mean stood out with katniss compared to other protagonists in her role in other series because she's a survivor at heart it's not about winning and it's not mm-hmm. about um any of that it's generally just about getting her and her family and the people she cares about through the end at whatever cost and she yeah it's like you say she kind of goes along with what she has to go along with but she never wants to be a symbol or she never wants to you know fight for anything bigger she just really just wants she wants to survive and she wants her sister to survive and that's really all that drives her um, and she just gets caught up in everything else, doesn't she? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. But in a way, there's there's like some resemblance in this. But I figured that this is really a good story to dive into, and I definitely going to check it out later. Renegades. So, to recap, the Renegade. Was... Uh, yep. Sorry. I was just going to say, one of the other things that I suppose really speaks to me personally, Mm -hmm. um, just for this one, is um, the character I actually hate the most in the series is is actually the the big bad guy. It's um, Ace Anarchy as as like a figurehead, because even um, when, even though he's not around, um, he has so much power over Nova and his influence over Nova when she was such a young child. is kind of the reason she has all of these beliefs and you know like you expect because he's a villain he's not been honest with her entire life and um he's just the picture of a manipulative parental figure who uses their power and control over you know a young person someone who looks up to them and considers them like a father figure um to their advantage and it's one of the reasons why he makes sort of such a an interesting villain really to all the characters because he's kind of like um frollo from hunchback of notre dame or Mm. mother gothel Gothel from tangled and i always thought that mother gothel and frollo were some of the you know the really really scary um villains in disney because um they don't really have any power like they're not really you know they're not super powerful they're not ursula turning into like a giant monster Mm. they're not a dragon they are just people and the pain that they cause is emotional they 
they control you know these young people who are in their care really and they don't have to do anything necessary they've, they've kind of set let the let the, set the foundation so much they don't really have to do much to win because it's all emotional and that sort of thing and, and ace anarchy anarchy is very much that kind of villain when it comes to he's also very powerful he's a telekinetic and all that sort of thing but he he he's scary for other reasons because yeah he just is very manipulative and um how he raised nova is the reason she is the way she is and it really take it's really hard for her to shake that i um, mean yeah manipulative villains are the scariest i think because they they don't do much they they don't really like i mean they don't really go out and do violence that much but they still do it but the, not in the way that like the absolute worst villain did it but they they got into people's minds and they tell things and uh the worst thing is that these this these people that they're influencing they thought that um because of what they told them to do or what they told them that it is what it is and they believe them wholeheartedly it's just it's just scary to think that um it's been like ingrained from such a for such a long time and then when when the villain actually proven wrong it's is going to crush the the people who are influenced down like everything they believed in yeah. for so long yeah i think it's um the mendicative villains are very very scary i think they're more scary than the villains who are just straight out evil <laughs> it's the yeah. same like i think it's the same like no wait Um, when you mentioned about Mother Gothelis, like from the Tang- from Tangled yeah. Story, yeah, yeah. It, it's I when I first watched that Tangled movie, I thought that she's really the good sort of like I thought Disney altered the story a little bit, and but yeah. she, but she's still she's still the but she's still the evil one. So and yeah, she she's the classic manipulative narcissistic mother figure. She. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was essentially just, yeah, like, it's, I I only watched Tangled very recently, but um, Mother Gothel uh, struck a chord with me personally. <laughs> the worst um, part is she made it believable. She made it, like, easily believable that she was really nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I 100% believed it. I, um, <laughs> not to go into detail, but I don't have an amazing relationship with my own mother, mm. and... I what just watching that from my own perspective I was just I was like yeah no they they got it bang on the money because <laughs> the thing is it's all Rapunzel I will kind of on a tan yeah but yeah, Rapunzel really trusts Mother Gothel she thinks mm. that she loves her and she cares for her and she wants the best for her and everything that she's done to do is to protect her and and all she does is sort of crave her approval but all she wants is is for her to be proud of her and her to sort of agree which is why when she thinks that she when she asks you know for freedom and she asks for all these things um she thinks it's okay because you know it's nice and she's just got to come up with a good reason um and then yeah then you eventually find out that obviously she that she eventually finds out that she was just being manipulated because of the power that she gives and that sort of thing but um it's just yeah it's it it's very believable and it's the kind of parental relationships that like 
exist in real life a lot of people have that sort of experience um and yeah that's something that I didn't it wasn't until so you do you don't really fully appreciate that until the last book in the series so Renegades doesn't really deal with Ace Anarchy because Ace Anarchy was defeated um you know uh, in the last battle he's not really he's not really a part of this fight but um it's not until you get really into the series that you see how much of an impact he has made to Nova's worldview, like how much she sees the world as because of him and how much she craved his approval and she just wanted him to be proud of her because she had no family. She All of her family got taken away from her and he was all she had. Oh. Yeah. That's really bad. So, yeah, it's... It, 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 it can just be a light-hearted superhero read, but because I was like, I was thinking about it for the podcast and stuff, it kind of you can dig meaning into it. It's really, it isn't, but it's a really great series. Hmm. Right. So, for for the last part, I think you maybe you can really just like give a slight, like give a really short recap for the for the book. Okay, I'll try. Um. <laughs> Essentially, Renegades is your classic superhero story. It's about a girl who is a villain, but she goes undercover as a superhero to take down basic her arch rivals, but then she gets confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really short. And very <laughs> compact <laughs> and interesting. So, okay, reaching the end of the recording session. So thank you so much, Jordan, for joining me today. And I had a wonderful time discussing and also finding out about this renegade story. I'll definitely check this book out. And it's it's been a very fun time for the recording session. And yes, thank you so much for having me here. It's been really good. Thank you. And lastly, how do we reach you in your podcast? Um, okay, so if you liked hearing me ramble on um, <laughs> with very little structure about Renegades, you will enjoy listening to me ramble with other guests with very little structure uh, about other books. Um, so I have a podcast called The Books to Last Podcast, and find that where all podcasts are found. Um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those good places. And we're on social media at Twitter and Instagram at Books to Last Pod. So if you wanted to follow us over there, you could. And we also have a very amazing episode with my esteemed host, um, just gone up a few weeks ago. And I also I also like uh, put the like listen to later the newest episode from your podcast I haven't got time to do to like actually listen and I, I actually wanted to listen it to today so right on that note um, I will be closing the episode and I also don't forget to follow pieces of books podcast and save up the episode uh, I'm also available to Instagram with the handle pieces of books at that's p-i-e-v-e-s of books and also Twitter with the same handle and with that I will end the episode here I'll see you in another episode. Bye-bye. Bye, Jordan. Bye. <clears throat> okay, so... <laughs> Join me in the next episode. 
I might want to discuss a particular book about something that occurs during midnight and in a library. <laughs> I think it it completely gives it away. It's a very popular book right now. It's like I think everybody reads it. I'm also currently reading it. I can't wait to finish it, and I can't wait to talk about it. So, because it's around my corner, really, I really relate to the main character, and um, yeah. So, I might want to discuss that book on the sixth episode. I'll see you then. Right? Okay, I'll be going. Bye bye. <laughs>